glad to have this opportunity to talk with you tonight and uh, appreciate this series. It's really been exciting to listen to uh, and watch and, and just talk about being renewed. I know that's something that I have needed and I hope that you have been renewed or refreshed uh, listening to these or being here uh, in person. Uh, I would like to start off with a prayer if we could. Father, we come before you and are thankful for this time to to worship you, and God, we do believe in you and your Son, your Holy Spirit, and we're so thankful for just who you are, how powerful you are, how much you provide and protect us, the ways that you show up in our lives that we don't even give you credit for. Uh, God, help us just to be more and more like your Son each and every day. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you want to let you know about one thing, if you were unaware of it, or just to remind you? Uh, tonight is the last night that the children's ministry interns are going to be here. Um, and so there is a reception after class tonight over in the children's wing with some refreshments. I believe you can sign some cards and say um, things that you were grateful for them. Um, whether you had a child over there or not, um, definitely take advantage of that and let Logan uh, Edwards and Reagan Kaiser know uh, how much you appreciate them. They have been a huge, huge help this summer. I know I'm very thankful for them, very thankful for our, our youth summer interns. Uh, they're this last Sunday, they're this upcoming Sunday will be their last Sunday before they go back to their homes and then off to college. So again, take advantage of that um, after class. You know, I was talking with um, someone earlier about this, this theme of of being renewed, and uh, we were talking about different words that you could say would be synonyms for the word renew, and one of those was restore. When we think of renew, we also think of restore, possibly, and those do have a lot of similarities, but they also have very different meanings. Restore is really bringing something back to the way that it was. I'm not much of a, of a car person, so restoring a car back to its original things, but um, I think it would be really cool to drive a, a car around with white wall tires. I really, really enjoy those. I think they'd be fun. Um, but if you're into that, you, you would know restoring it, it it's, it's bringing it back to what it was before. But that's not renew. Restore and renew are different there. Then you also have reform. Reform and renew are similar, but again, they have their differences. Renew, or excuse me, reform is more making changes to improve something. You reform it. You're making these additions, these improvements uh, into something new. And yes, there's, again, a lot of similarities there, but it's not the same as being renewed. Renewed is, one definition is to give fresh life, or you could also say revive, another synonym. We're not trying to restore our faith necessarily, we're not trying to reform our faith necessarily in this series. We're trying to renew our faith, to bring fresh life to it. But the funny thing is we can't do that. We can't renew anything about us because we're finite beings. And we can only do so much. We only need Jesus. I saw a commercial today. Actually, you may have seen it. It's a Google commercial, and it's... <clears throat> Basically, people typing in the search bar there about different things of how to do something, how to change an alternator, how to cook a certain meal, how to do different things, and then it ended on the last one of how to start over. And I thought that was 
pretty fitting for what we're trying to talk about this summer uh, and, and renewing our faith and, and starting over because we have had a hard year and a half, almost two years. We've gone something, through something that has been very challenging, and there's been some good things about it. I know I've greatly benefited from being around my family more, but it's been really exhausting. You may, you may have felt exhausted. You may have felt defeated. You may have even felt alone in this last couple of months, but I think that just shows us that we need to be renewed, and we need Christ, and we need him to tell us who we are, which is why we're talking about renewing our identity. And in Galatians 2.20, kind of a a verse that I feel like centralizes everything I wanted to mention tonight, Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Again, it's no longer me. It's about Christ. I'm being renewed. My identity is being renewed no longer to who I was before. And we'll unpack that in a minute. But to be be made into something new and to be made into be more like Christ and to be like Christ, to be clothed with Christ, as Paul says later on. But I want you to ask yourself a question that you may have been asked before. Maybe you were in some sort of training at work, or maybe you were at church camp at some point, and someone asked this question of, who are you? Or maybe describe yourself. Has anyone ever been asked those questions before? You can raise your hand. It's all right. Yeah. I've been asked those questions. I think that's almost like, who who am I? Sometimes we ask ourselves those questions. And I think we can describe ourselves with lots of different adjectives. Lots of different things that we could say that we are. I think each of us could come up with multiple answers for those questions. Maybe you're describing yourself as a parent. Maybe you're describing yourself from Texas. I would be from California. Um, uh, Maybe you describe yourself as someone who likes baseball, or you like to fish, or you work at a bank, or you're an engineer. The point is there's lots of different things that we could describe ourselves as what we would think be answering the question of who we are, but those are just things that we do or something that we enjoy or something that we have a skill in. That's not necessarily who we are. But a lot of times we identify ourselves as those things. But I want to remind you that who you are is not what you do. Who you are determines what you do. I think... We, we like to identify, again, ourselves by what we do or where we live or what we have, but that is not who you are. Who you are determines what you do. Has anyone ever taken the Enneagram test before? Anyone know what the Enneagram is? If you don't know what the Enneagram test is, it's a very popular personality test right now. And uh, if you go to the next slide, you can see there are nine different numbers that someone could identify themselves as having that type of personality. Um, And you can look up what all these definitions kind of mean. And so there's these nine different numbers, and everyone falls into these categories. I myself am a nine, which, according to this slide, says that I'm a peacemaker. And a, a nine is someone who is accepting and trusting and stable, They're usually creative, optimistic, and supportive, but they can also be too willing to go along with others to keep the peace. So we get walked on a lot. 
They also want everything to go smoothly and be without conflict, which is good. But they can also tend to be complacent, simplifying problems, and minimizing anything upsetting. I don't know if you identify with that description of a nine. That's definitely me um, and the good and the bad and the ugly, all of it. But there's all these different types. And again, they have these labels. One being the reformer, the helper, the achiever, or the six being the loyalist. All, all these different ways of people that they can identify as these different things. Let me give you an example. Um, <clears throat> I know someone uh, that I may or may not uh, be married to, and uh, she is number two, and uh, so she's generous, 100%. Leah is very generous, demonstrative, people-pleasing, and possessive. Um, I don't know if you identify as that. Uh, a, a seven, if you are the enthusiast, uh, is spontaneous, versatile, acquisitive, and scattered. Basically, again, you take this test and it kind of determines who your personality is. And then because it's very popular right now, you may have conversations with people and say, well, I'm a nine, you're a two, we really just don't get along. Or you're a seven and I'm a six and, you know, we, we connect, we're soulmates. You know, it's, it's a very popular thing right now. And again, people may identify themselves as this. And again, it, like I said, it, it's not those things that define who we are. Those may be types of personalities, maybe types of people, but they're not necessarily who we are. Philippians 3, verses 3 through 8. Paul writes here about kind of who he is, but he, he ends at a point where, again, if you're familiar and you've read this text before, you, you know what he is going to be saying, but he, he describes himself. And so it says, For it is we who are the circumcision... We who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised in the eighth day, a people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church. As for righteousness based on the law, faultless. He, he, he's saying, this is my resume. This is who I am. This is how I could describe myself. I'm the best of the best. Paul is the Pharisee of Pharisees. He continues on. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Who, for whose sake I have lost all things. And I love this next sentence. He says, I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. Garbage to me is a very strong word. I mean, if you think about taking out the garbage, you think about smelling something that is, is rotting and stuff. That's, that's the, kind of the imagery and the senses that I, that I pick up on this word of garbage. That these things that I feel like are important, again, his, his list here of who he is, how he could describe himself, how he could identify himself as. He says, those are worthless. Those are, are rubbish. Those are things that I don't even want to have to be around because Christ is more important. Christ is everything that I want. I would gladly give up those things so that I might gain Christ. Paul wants to identify not as those things in his resume, not in those things that he's listed there. He wants to identify as someone who is 
becoming like Christ and wants to be a follower of Jesus. That's what he wants his identity to be. Again, he, he describes himself ways that he can be identified, and he doesn't care about those things. As long as he has Christ, he's content, and he's good. And so for us, we need to learn from that. We describe ourselves from lots of different ways. Again, as I mentioned earlier, maybe you're a parent. Maybe you really like, again, a certain sports team, and so you identify as a follower of that, that team. We identify and describe ourselves in lots of different ways, but are you willing to give that up, whatever that may be, so that you may have Christ? Are you going to identify as those things, or are you going to identify as someone that is following Jesus? And we need to be renewed of this because, again, this last year we've had maybe some time to reflect on who we thought we were. Uh, I think Wes is the one that said it first about this, this last, again, year and a half, he, he felt like he, and I, and I felt this this way too, that I was strong in certain areas of my life, but then the pandemic kind of brought those things to the surface, and I, I realized I wasn't the way that I thought I was. I wasn't as strong in whatever it was in my life. And so I need to, needed to renew that. I needed to make some changes. Again, all those things don't matter compared to who Christ is, and, and we want to be more and more like Christ. That's what being a Christian is and following him. Then you have the parable of the sower. I feel like this is a very versatile parable in Matthew 13. And uh, Jesus says some, some things here that just, again, it made me think about who I am and who I want to be, who I am, am trying to be as a, as a father, um, as a just a man, as a person who lives in this country, as a person who, who lives in this world. Um, so I want to read, again, it's, it's a little lengthy, and so if you want to follow along, it's going to be Matthew 13, verses 1 through 9, and then he explains uh, 18, uh, verses 18 through 23. But again, think about how renewing our identity is kind of woven into this parable. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it with all the people stood, while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came up and ate it. Some fell along rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still others' seed fell among good soil, where it produced a crop 160, 30 times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let him hear. When I read this, I thought, sometimes I can identify with all of these different soils. Sometimes I feel like there are things that God is trying to teach me that are immediately snatched away because I either don't want to hear it or there's just too many things going on that I'm not even paying attention to what God's trying to teach me. That's kind of the, the path soil. Maybe I identify as the rocky soil where I, I'm excited about something, but I really don't have the passion or maybe um, I, I feel like I know what I'm supposed to be doing, but I'm doing what I want to do and not what God wants me to do. And so I'm kind of like the seeds that fall on the rocky soil and it springs up quickly, but then falls away. Or maybe I'm just too distracted and identify as this soil of, 
all these pressures, again, all the exhaustion and, and everything that's been going on in the last year and a half, I, I just, I can't handle it. And so, again, may God may be trying to teach me something that I, I want to be, but I, I just can't handle it. And so those, uh, those thorns, those weeds kind of choke those things away. And then, of course, sometimes I feel like God is teaching me something. I'm ready to do it. I, um, I act on it, and things are good, just like the good soil. And I think we can also, we can change from soil to soil. We can identify from different circumstances that we're going through um, with each of these different soils. And again, there's, there's soil in all of these, but the way that we react to God's word determines what type of soil that we are. What type of person are we going to be? Are we going to react? Are we going to accept the message of God and, and identify as someone who is following Jesus? Or are we going to identify as someone who, yeah, that's a good idea, God, but I've got other plans. Are we going to identify as someone who is really excited but keeps it to themselves and doesn't really do anything about it? What we need to do is make sure that we are doing what God wants us to do and, and identifying as someone who is wanting to follow him. And he, and he continues on there, in verses 18 through 23, listen to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom of God and does not understand it, the evil one comes away and snatches it, what is sown in his heart. This is the seed that is sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy, but since they have no root, it only lasts a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed Falling among thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. Again, at times we may feel like these different soils. We may feel like the rocky soil or the soil with the weeds and thorns, but the reason that we, we feel and identify with those soils is because we're letting our surroundings, we're letting our jobs, we're letting our responsibilities, our desires to control who we are and determine who we are rather than remembering who created us in the first place, who created the soil, who created us, and that being God. So we are renewing ourselves to be more like Jesus and remembering who our creator is. But sometimes we let our failures define us. This is found in in John chapter 8, verses 2 through 11. It's a story here about a woman who was caught in adultery. At dawn, he appeared in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him. And he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand up before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. And the law of Moses commanded us to sown such women. What do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When, he kept on quest- when they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to cast a stone at her. Again, he stooped down in the ground and wrote. At this, those who heard began uh, to go away, uh, go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman standing still there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? 
No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, go now and leave your life of sin. Jesus didn't identify her or define her by the things that she was accused of or the things that she had done. He saw her as a child of God. He saw her as a sheep without a shepherd. He didn't define her, again, by her failures. And neither should we. It's hard to maybe to realize that or to really understand it. I think we know, yeah, well, I shouldn't define myself. You know, I'm forgiven about those things, but we don't really forgive ourselves. We identify as, wow, I was, I was not a good person today. I can't believe I made that type of comment to someone, or I can't believe that, you know, you wouldn't believe the bad things that I've done in my life. We, we hold on to those things, and we just don't have the right attitude about it. We, we want to hold on to those things so we maybe get some pity, but we're still wanting to identify about those things, and that's really not what we should be doing. Don't identify and define yourself by your failures because God loves to give grace to us. He loves to give grace to us. He loves to love us. Matthew 7, verses 9 through 11. I don't know if you've read these verses in a long time. Really, the Sermon on the Mount is just one of my favorite sections. But Jesus says here, Which of you, if your son asked for bread, would give him a stone? Or if he asked for a fish, would give him a snake? If you, then who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? God loves to give grace to us. God loves to give us good things because, again, he created us and he sees you as his child. He identifies you as not your failures, as not your successes, as not anything that you would describe yourself as, but only as you belong to him. And it, again, it, it's so encouraging to know that he is ready and, and wants to, and sometimes it's overwhelming the amount of good things that God gives us. We just have to look up and see and not identify ourselves as the things that we've done wrong, but identify ourselves as, as someone that God loves. Failures don't define us. Successes don't define us. Only Jesus does. Our identity in him is who we are. And so when we're talking about this being renewing, renewing our identity, we have to th realize where does our identity come from? Who's the one that is wanting, to us to, wanting for us to know that we belong to him? Ephesians 4, 23 and 24 say, You were taught with your regard to your former way of life, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Again, we need to stop identifying ourselves by anything other than Jesus. When we renew our identity, what we're doing is, like I said, we're not restoring our identity we're not reforming our identity. We're giving something fresh, something new, something bright. And that is Christ coming into our lives. We are clothing ourselves with Christ. We're not defining and identifying ourselves as what we have done or the good person that I was before or anything else other than who Christ is. And so when we make sure we are, we are renewing our identity, we're living out the way that Christ wants us to live. And we, we want to have that identity 
take root into our life and and it changes the way that we think about ourselves. It changes the way that we think about other people. Again, it's based not on ourselves, but based only on God, only on what Jesus has done for us. That's who our identity is. And no one can change that because God is more powerful than anything. He's not going to take that thing away from us. And so we need to make sure that we are reminding ourselves of who God is and how he created us and how he has defined who we are. Again, we are not, or who you are is not what you do, but who you are determines what you do. When your identity is found not in, again, what you do or what you have, but it's found in God, then he says who you are. He says that you are his and you belong to him. And I hope that you realize that your identity is in Christ and, and he loves you and he wants you to not focus on any other aspect, any way of describing yourself other than as a child of his and that you belong to him. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this evening and are thankful, so thankful, God, for the ways that you um, are just always there for us and that you remind us each and every day that we belong to you. God, that it's hard to, to, to focus on you sometimes when there's so many things distracting us, whether out of our control or in our control. God, help us just to be focused on you. Help us to, to know that we can be part of your family, be part of your kingdom, be, be a child of yours, and that you have created us to be so. God, help us to remember that, to not define ourselves or identify ourselves by our failures, by our past, by anything that we feel like we have done, but help us to identify ourselves as a child of yours and help us to uh, just as we move forward and going into the next weeks and months and years to just be reminded of that each and every day. We love you so much. In your name we pray. Amen.